Greetings and salutations out there, sports fans. It is time for another glorious edition of the Modern Day Gladiators podcast here on the Stage Diver Radio Network. I, as always, am your humble but yet glorious host, Michael Shibley. Hope you guys have had a wonderful week so far. We've got a jam-packed episode, as always, here on Modern Day Gladiators. We've got college football playoff, craziness going on in the NFL, cheaters in a marathon. We've got a dead hoax player in Irish soccer. We've got just craziness all around, and we can't wait to break it all down for you here on Modern Day Gladiators. But first, as always, let's take care of the business again. Check us out. All the great podcasts you can get here on the Stage Diver Radio Network at stagediverradio.com. And of course, you can always hit us up on Facebook, the Modern Day Gladiators Facebook page, where you can check out all the bonus stuff that we've got, some live videos and different posts about craziness going on in the world of sports there as well. You can follow me, Michael Shibley, on Instagram at Michael underscore Shibley, and of course, the same on Twitter as well. You can check out, of course, all the other great shows we've got on the Stage Diver Radio Network there and wherever you get all of your great podcasts that you love to listen to on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere you get all the big ones, just check us out there. And of course, rate, review, subscribe. That's how we get the word out to all the other great people that we want to have listen to the wonderful and awesome podcasts that we have here on the network. So of course, rate and review, subscribe, give us those five stars. And of course, you can always comment as well, interact with me on Twitter or on the Facebook page. Would love to hear from you. Would love to get in debates with you. You can also, of course, send us an email at stagediverradio at gmail.com. And of course, you can always check out the hotline at 865-888-0109 and send us a comment that way. But now, let's dive into all the craziness going on in the world of sports. And of course, we start with the topic we have had all college football season long, and that's college football, as the playoffs have been announced. We are at pretty much the end of the road here as the whole regular season has come to an end. And let's just break it down. The four teams that are in the college football playoff. In the Cotton Bowl, you've got the two-seed Clemson will take on the three-seed Notre Dame. And in the Orange Bowl in Miami, you've got the number one seed Alabama taking on the four-seed Oklahoma. And those games are happening on December 29th. So a little bit before New Year's as they're just trying to get this schedule right and get everything to coincide properly and everything. So that's what you've got. You've got Alabama versus Oklahoma and you've got Clemson versus Notre Dame. The question, of course, is always, did the committee get it right? You've got just on the outside looking in Georgia at number five, who gave Alabama everything they wanted. Alabama finally had to play a full 60 minute game for the first time all season long and man that that was a great SEC championship game Georgia led for most of it and Tua uh Vailoa was actually having probably his worst game as a quarterback in college and Georgia was leading they were doing everything right and then Tua got hurt and Jalen Hurts came in. What just an amazing kind of story for Jalen Hurts, of course, was benched in the national championship game against Georgia in the same building there in Atlanta. And 
just couldn't get things done, so they went with Tua at halftime of the national championship game, and he went and, of course, became immortalized with the comeback and the win in overtime, and then, of course, won the starting job for real and, of course, has had an amazing college football season uh, with Alabama. But then he gets hurt, and Jalen Hurts stuck with it. He could have transferred. He could have left, but he stuck uh, with Alabama, and everything in that way came out was dynamite. He was uh, 7 for 9, 82 yards there for the time he was in, plus he was 5 for 5 on third down. He was money on third down. Meanwhile, Tua was 0 for 6 on third downs in the game. So it's just a great story. Respect, and again, I hate Alabama. We all know this. We have established that on this podcast. But respect, definitely uh, to Jalen Hurts for coming off the bench and helping Alabama win this SEC championship game. The only real question, honestly, for me with Georgia was the fake punt that they had. I mean, they were still up, and and they weren't even up. They were just – it was late in the game, and they decided you put Fields, the backup quarterback, the five-star quarterback that they had – on the field in the punt formation that should signal to everybody hey something's not right here that should have been just a red flag to pop up and Alabama read it perfectly it's tough to convert a fourth and 11 even if you do have a fake punt drawn up honestly yes uh Jalen Hurts had been money for the game so far but you still got to let him drive the whole field to have Alabama try and take the lead at that point. Because when you think about it, Alabama's kickers have stunk under Nick Saban. And they do not have a good one here either. So I don't know why you don't come out and try and do it that way. And at least make them drive the field. I guess you can see them trying to win the game right there. Or make an aggressive play call. But Georgia's defense had been playing great. And I think if you made them have to try and march the whole field instead of just half the field, I think that would have given you a better shot to at least force overtime, if not maybe get the ball back or something like that. Something else could have happened. But Georgia is on the outside looking in as well as Ohio State. We'll get, of course, the big news coming out of Columbus here in a moment. Michigan at number seven and UCF, even though they are still undefeated, they are at eight. So that's what you got. Really, when you look at the committee, I think they got it right. They did what everybody pretty much thought the committee was going to do, at least in my opinion, where they're going with these teams with one loss. Georgia at this point had two losses, even though I think if Georgia had a chance to maybe play Alabama again, give them more time to plan for for Hurts coming in instead of Tua. I think they probably win that game and they maybe would win the rematch as well. You got to feel it for Georgia. I mean, they have played Alabama in the highest level two years in a row and come oh so close both times and just fall short both times. That just, that has to sting. I would rather be in that position though than where I am with my beloved Tennessee Vols. I still feel for, of course, Chase and Terry, who of course are part of the Haffle podcast here on the Stage Diver Radio Network. Got a feel for them. Of course, they were guests on a show. You can look that one up from a few months ago. But anyway, hats off to Alabama getting the win in the number one seed and all the other teams. I'm not going to go with Ohio State over Oklahoma. Oklahoma went out, and yes, I know Oklahoma doesn't play any defense. We'll get to that in a second. But they still went out. They had one loss to Texas. They go into the Big 12 championship game and beat Texas. They avenged their only loss. Ohio State went on the road to Purdue and 
and got their butts handed to them. That loss is not going away, no matter how bad you beat Michigan. You still have based it on that one loss. I'm going to go with Oklahoma over Ohio State every time in that scenario. And again, stop with UCF. Their strength of schedule is not worth it. And I know it's tough for them to try and play other people. I get that. But they still got to work at it. If they stay this way, maybe they'll be able to get into a playoff one of these days. I don't know. Just at this point, it's not going to happen. I've been arguing again, and we've said this many times, for an eight-team playoff. You get the five major conference winners. You get three at-large bids. At that case, you get eight teams. Say you would get the top eight from the college football playoff as you have it right now. You would get Alabama versus Central Florida, and these are going to be hosted by the top-ranked seeds. So you'd get uh, Central Florida at Alabama, Michigan at Clemson. You would get Ohio State at Notre Dame, and then you would get Georgia at Oklahoma. Those would be great. Those would be amazing college football matches, and I would pay to see that. Give it, have it in a couple of weeks, and then have the semifinals and the bowl games, then the national championship. That would be great. Ratings galore. And that's another thing. You think of the TV show, and I understand, again, where, yes, you talk about the best teams getting in. It's also a television show. The committee is going to look at it, and they had two SEC teams last year. Georgia having two losses gives them an out that they're not going to have a, a, two SEC teams in this year, especially now that you have Notre Dame in the playoff as well, which just doesn't help with an independent because that also just kicks a conference out as well. So you have all of that. Oklahoma, you're going to have Oklahoma versus Alabama. You're going to have two of the Heisman uh, trophy finalists in Tua Tungavailoa and Kyler Murray for Oklahoma in this game is a matchup of quarterbacks. One of them is going to win the Heisman. I don't think Dwayne Hoskins or Haskins rather has any chance really of winning the Heisman at this point. It's going to be down between Tua and Kyler, and who knows at that point. Honestly, Tua was definitely the most valuable player because he barely threw any passes in the fourth quarter. But Kyler Murray had the better statistics because he had to play a whole lot more. So there's the argument there. We'll see what happens with the Heisman Trophy as it is released. So that should be very exciting as well. But again, the TV show that you've got, you've got Alabama, Oklahoma, and Clemson, Notre Dame. Those are going to be great matchups. And to make the quick picks, and of course, we'll pick all the big bowl games coming up next week here on Modern Day Gladiators. But you know, right now I'm going with Alabama over Oklahoma and Clemson over Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame is really, I think if Notre Dame is, this argument is just tired and I wish we didn't have to do it, but if Notre Dame played in the SEC, I think they would have lost at least two games. And honestly, if UCF played in the SEC, if they played Tennessee schedule, let's just say even Tennessee schedule, they probably have three or four losses there as well so that's my argument there the only college football game happening next week is again my favorite rivalry of all and that's army versus navy love it love it seeing the military academies going at it this saturday and army is now on the uptick army having a wonderful season making it to a bowl game again at nine and two they have been incredible this year navy has had a tough year they are just at three and nine it's been the opposite for a long long time but army and i've got army winning that game over navy i think they're the better team again this is one of those the old saying you can throw out the record books when these teams get together but i've got to go with army in the classic matchup between army versus navy 
Big news coming out of Columbus. Of course, it was just announced today as we record this that Urban Meyer has now decided to retire. His last game is going to be the bowl game, uh, the Rose Bowl there, so that should be you know, a farewell to him. Ryan Day will take over as head coach. He was the offensive coordinator for Ohio State, and he was the interim coach when Urban Meyer was suspended for three games to start the year after just all the craziness and the just bad juju that happened when Urban Meyer was suspended. So you do have to kind of remember that with the whole Zach Smith incident and everything. But Urban Meyer is going to be done after the Rose Bowl. By the way, for all of you who came out, as always, I've got to keep referring back to this. Uh, Greg Schiano, not named the new head coach for Ohio State. And I thought, according to so many members of the media, that he was the greatest uh, head coach to be out there for Tennessee. And I don't know, they don't know why Tennessee fans were outright rejecting him, but yet Ohio State doesn't give him the job. They give a guy who had never had any head coaching experience before the head coaching job. So there you go. When you have that argument, just stop national media. Just stop going against Tennessee and just outright rejecting Greg Schiano because even Ohio State knows he's crap. And he's probably going to lose his job as defensive coordinator. Ohio State had one of the worst defenses in program history last year. So, be that as it will. Urban Meyer, again, though, three national championships. We'll talk about some of the bad stuff here in a sec, but three national championships, two at Florida and one there with Ohio State. He was 186 and 32 overall. Uh, That's an 85.3 winning percentage. Seven conference championships, and he was a winner everywhere he went, starting at Bowling Green at Utah, then got Utah with Alex Smith to a BCS game back uh, when he was at Utah, then, of course, at Florida with Tim Tebow and Chris Leak, and then at Ohio State. Only 54 years old. So some of us here in the SEC have been through this before with Urban Meyer, where he is retired for uh, citing health reasons, where he just decides, nope, I'm done. Uh, I think, you know, somewhere... The posse was coming to catch him. Looked like Nick Saban was going to pass him there at Alabama when Urban Meyer was at Florida. So he took a couple of years off, and now the Ohio State job opened up, and he jumped right in there. And now, even though I was very surprised on the beatdown Ohio State gave Michigan, you got to see that things might not be as comfortable there. Because, again, you look at some of the things that happened with Urban Meyer along the way. You look now... At in the past, he recruited Aaron Hernandez to Florida. And Aaron Hernandez, again, was a remarkable talent. But, again, he did some bad things down in Florida. The big one, of course, he was questioned in a September 2007 shooting where five shots were fired into a car. Again, he was never fully charged with that there's a wonderful podcast uh just to hype this it's called gladiator it's from the uh boston globe spotlight team uh you can check that one out if you look up gladiator the life of aaron hernandez life and death of aaron hernandez check that out it depicts you know aaron hernandez everything including one whole episode they had on that podcast of talking about his time with the florida gators and some of the things there where aaron got into trouble but it was covered up i mean he does Aaron Hernandez did some bad things, but out of the 41 games he was at Florida, he played in 40 of them. So take that as it will. And then, of course, here at Ohio State, you had the Zach Smith incident where, again, he was 
documented and again with police reports and everything. We talked about this in the first episode we had here of Modern Day Gladiators uh, talking about he enabled Zach Smith. He didn't fire him. He had some strange loyalty to the guy. And again, he was upset. Urban Meyer was offended that he was even suspended from everything that was happening there. So it was just a mess there here at the end of Ohio State. I think almost as well you can look at the fact that a lot of members of the board of trustees and people in the upper administration of Ohio State wanted Urban Meyer fired for everything that had happened with Urban not remembering what happened, uh, pretty much lying about the fact that he knew or didn't know about it. He lied about that. So you can sugarcoat it however you want. He lied about it. So, and he did a lot of that stuff at Florida as well. So we're not strangers to that here in the sec but again he's retiring which again is fine but again at 54 it's tough you look at Les miles you look at mac brown recently both guys who've been out of the coaching game for a couple years now and now they're back in it so you have those decisions that you have to make and i don't think this is urban meyer's last stop i don't think he's going to stay away it might be a few seasons before he's back but you never know maybe if usc has a terrible season this next season usc fires clay helton and then urban meyer swoops in and moves out west so that's everything going on there at ohio state one of the other big things here in college football I wanted to talk about real quick, and of course this will happen more in the national discussion as we go along. Players in college, they're not playing in bowl games because they are getting ready for the NFL draft. Now, none of these are players that are playing in these college football playoff bowl games. They're all playing in bowl games that technically don't really matter when you look at things. You've got you know, Arizona State uh, wide receiver Nikhil Henry, Again, a top wide receiver pick. Rashawn Gary, the defensive tackle at Michigan, and Ed Oliver, of course, the defensive tackle at Houston. They're both staying out. They're going to be probably first-round draft picks. Debo Samuel at South Carolina, probably uh, a second- or third-round pick, but he's been banged up as well. So why play, these guys really, why play in a meaningless game in the grand scheme of things? These bowl games that aren't involved in the college football playoff, they don't mean anything to them so why worry about getting hurt where you're not getting paid yeah you get a gift bag but these guys have millions of dollars at stake right now and they need to be able to get ready for that greedy williams again a cornerback at lsu probably the best defensive back in this draft class why risk an injury that's going to cost you millions of dollars so that's at least my thought when it comes to that. I'm not going to fault any of them, and I wouldn't fault them if I'm a general manager or someone looking to draft them and see, oh, you're not devoted to this team. College, at that point, you're done with it. There's no reason for you to play in that one. And guys, there's some of the guys who are. Uh, the quarterback for Oregon, probably the top quarterback pick, Herbert, he's playing in the bowl game. So hats off to him, and I hope he does well and improve his draft stock and everything. But I don't see the benefit in it if you're going to get hurt. One last thing before we get out of college football, uh, University of Alabama at Birmingham, winning Conference USA. They lost to MTSU last week, and we predicted MTSU to beat them again. They were playing in Murfreesboro, but the University of Alabama at Birmingham winning Conference USA. Why are we singling them out? Because again, two years ago, 
they didn't have a football team. They'd gotten rid of it, and they brought it back. First ever 10-win season for UAB, and they are Conference USA champions. So congratulations to them and everybody involved in bringing that football program back. Really good for those kids down there in Birmingham. Moving to our second topic here in the main segment, into the NFL, a bad PR week for the NFL and a whole. Uh, you look at, at the start of last week, Reuben Foster is with the 49ers. Uh, they released him after his second arrest of the year for domestic violence. The first one, charges were dismissed because the uh, the female involved decided to not press charges or cooperate, anything like that. So he was kept. He had some other issues going on this past season. The 49ers decided finally just to cut him. But then the Redskins just swooped in immediately and claimed him off waivers. And Reuben Foster, he's an okay defensive guy, but he's not like an all pro or anything like that. He's not like what happened, say, back a few years ago with Greg Hardy, who again was convicted of assault, but the Cowboys still went out and signed him. You look at that, he was at least a guy who could get to the quarterback. He was at least a factor or at least they thought he could be a factor. They're not seeing that with Ruben Foster. The Redskins, the only team to go out there and do that. And that was just bad juju, bad PR. Daniel Snyder, again, clueless with the Redskins. And he was, of course, the the NFL had to step in there, and he was added to the commissioner's exempt list, which means you cannot uh, play, obviously, and you also cannot practice with the team in team activities. You can still do stuff individually, but you can't practice with the team, which was smart. The fact that the NFL had to go out and do this, you know, again, I, and I agree and I believe in the right to work. If you have been arrested, but you're out and you should still be able to work and ply your trade, I heartily agree with that. But you can't just if the. It's just bad optics for the NFL. And it got even worse this week when Kareem Hunt, the running back for the Kansas City Chiefs, that was released from an incident that happened in the offseason as he was shown shoving a woman to the ground and later kicking her. It's amazing to me, as always, and again, this was the same thing with the Ray Rice video that came out a few years ago, that TMZ was able to acquire this video, and the NFL was not. The NFL was not able to view the video. They, of course, claimed that you know they couldn't. Law enforcement wouldn't give it to them. TMZ has been able to acquire this. What, what happened, NFL? Did you just go and say, hey, we'd like to see this video and conduct our investigation with this because you know we've had some bad optics in the past. We'd like to see that video. You guys could watch it with us. We could, you know, under your supervision, we could take a look at it. And then they're like, no. And then the NFL just backs off. They don't do anything after that. Are you kidding me? I'm assuming they're just the person who said, well, I tried. And they tried once. You're the NFL. You have a lot of money. There's not any palms you can grease or somewhere to get access to this video before it comes out on TMZ. Are you kidding me? It's just bad, bad PR, bad optics there. And again, the Kareem Hunt stuff, you know, is it? Again, you weigh it. The Chiefs immediately, of course, cut him. He was put on the commissioner's exempt list. He has not been claimed by anybody on waivers. And again, he is a good running back. He could have been an all-pro this year. He has been doing an, a vital part of the Chiefs' attack. So that's something to look at. 
Again, it's a fine line of crime versus reaction because you look at some of the other things that have happened. Of course, with Greg Hardy, we mentioned Ray Rice, of course, the video where he knocked out his girlfriend at the time. Of course, he was on the downswing of his career. Joe Mixon, the video of him when he was still at Oklahoma of hitting a woman. Ray Carruth. Now, this is, of course, a complete extreme circumstance. The fact that it really wasn't talked about much. The fact that Ray Carruth, who years ago hired a hitman to, because he didn't want to pay child support to kill a woman pregnant with his child shot her. The the hitman did come up and killed her, but the child didn't die. And the child has been completely brain damaged for life. You can watch real sports with Brian Gumbel. There's an episode where they talk about that at length. Uh, The fact that he's out of prison and it hasn't really been talked about that much has been amazing to me. And then, of course, uh, Jordan uh, Belcher, he was the Kansas City Chiefs player who committed murder and then killed himself afterwards. So, again, these different things, they're all different. And, again, every case is different. We talk about this with different sexual assault violations violations with players and all these different things it's different but again the optics are just really bad kareem hunt of course lied to his team he lied to the nfl about what happened so again there's plenty of fault there as well there's plenty of fault to go around in all of this but the fact that the nfl wasn't able to view this video until tmz got it is still just insane to me And I just don't think they're trying very hard. They just seem to wait for all the other weird stuff to happen with that. And just to put a bow on all of this, just a suggestion to anybody out there and thinking about this. You're a multimillionaire playing in the NFL or anybody. This just goes to anybody in particular. Why fight when you don't have to or for dumb reasons? I've worked in bars I've worked in places where there's bar fights and other craziness that happens. Unless my wife or my family is immediately threatened or someone is paying me a lot of money to get in a cage, I'm not fighting anybody. I'm not going to risk legal problems or assault charges or getting beat up for no real smart reason at all. There's no reason to be fighting. I looked at the video. There's no reason Kareem Hunt should have been in this situation at all. Just just walk away. It's not about respect or, you know, being looked weak in front of your boys or anything like that or your reputation. Just walk away. There's no reason for that. Call security and have her go away. That's all you had to do. There's a bunch of other reasons that, of course, we can dive into. We can devote a whole podcast to that, but I'm not going to waste my time with that. But there's no reason when you're getting paid that much money to get in a fight that you don't need to be in. Just walk away and let things fall as they may. It's stupid to get in any type of fight where unless you believe your life or the lives of your loved ones is really on the line and there's danger there or you're getting paid a lot of money. That's the only way that I'm fighting at that point. So that's just my opinion on it. I appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Modern Day Gladiators. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back with shibbles and bits on the other side. You're listening to Modern Day Gladiators on the Stage Diver Radio Network. Hey. 
Hey guys, this is Jay Kendrick. And I'm Biggie. And we're here today to talk to you about a new video game podcast coming to Stage Diver Radio Network entitled J&B's DLC. So has this ever happened to you while you're playing a video game? Get good, noob. Your mom looks like Sean Connery and I'd still banger get wrecked. Well, you're in luck because we have a podcast by gamers. For gamers. Every other Monday, everywhere podcasts can be found and at stagediverradio.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Modern Day Gladiators here on the Stage Diver Radio Network. Your glorious host, Michael Shibley, still with you, still sneaking around looking for that Pink Panther diamond. As always, I'm going to find it one of these days. But until then, we're going to hit up shibbles and bits and take a look at everything else going on in the world of sports that you might have missed. Of course, we always start with the NFL, or we always seem to start with that. It's not always the case. I know that. But we start with it a lot here during the the season. Uh, But NFL power rankings, just to break down my power rankings real quick, the Rams have now moved back up to number one as uh, the Saints lost to the Cowboys. That drops them down to number two. Cowboys might have an outside chance at the playoffs at this point because the NFC East, terrible. The Chiefs at number three. Again, a lot of questions now. How is their rushing attack going to go now that Kareem Hunt is gone they barely beat the Raiders now the Raiders again are their rival so again a lot of things can happen in rivalry games which you do have to be aware of but right now the Chiefs I still have at number three the Patriots at four but they could obviously flip-flop with the Chiefs we'll see how the season ends the Chargers moving up to five they did something that had never happened before in Pittsburgh they came back from a huge deficit the biggest deficit ever on the road uh, against Pittsburgh that was amazing to see the Chargers making some noise. But again, I'm going to reserve judgment on how far I think the Chargers are going to go until we get into the playoffs. The Texans, all they do, they've just kept winning. They just keep on piling up those wins. It's amazing to see what they've done. But again, we'll have to see what happens to them in the playoffs as well. Steelers at number seven, maybe starting to show some cracks there. Still think they're going to make the playoffs, but... Some things might be in question there in Pittsburgh. I've got the Bears at number eight as well. So crazy that there, of course, Mike McCarthy, the Packers coach who won them their last Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. He has been fired, which isn't the biggest surprise. Of course, there seems to be a lot of drama there between him and Aaron Rodgers and everything going on there. You can break all that down, but again, it just doesn't seem to be the best relationship, and that's why it ended, and McCarthy is now looking for a new job. So we'll have to see how all that breaks down as we get through the NFL season, as we get toward the playoffs in the NFL. Always love the NFL playoffs. Good times there. Switching over to college, a little Tennessee report here. The number seven ranked Tennessee Volunteers had a good week as they bounced back from their loss to Kansas with a couple of W's over Eastern Kentucky, 95 to 67, and over Texas A&M Corpus Christi, 79 to 51. Uh, Coach Rick Barnes moved uh, Eve Pons there from France uh, into the starting lineup, and that has looked like it has given the Vols a boost when it comes especially to athleticism. I mean, the guy is just insanely athletic. He can fly out of the gym just without anything. I mean, he can just soar with the greatest of ease. It's amazing that he hasn't been playing basketball really that long. 
and what he's just able to do just naturally athletically gifted hasn't touched uh, hadn't touched a weight I think they say uh, until he got to Tennessee so craziness there uh, so good vibes going here back on Rocky Top up next though for Tennessee they're traveling to Phoenix in the Jerry Colangelo Classic where they face number one Gonzaga so that should be a good one I would love for Tennessee to knock off the Zags. Had a chance, of course, to get a real good feather in their cap by beating Kansas, but hey, knocking off number one Gonzaga would also be a pretty good feather in their cap, so would love to see that happening. Of course, that is happening this Sunday at 3 o'clock on ESPN, so be sure to check that out. Meanwhile, the ninth-ranked Lady Vols got a win over the week. Uh, They got a win over Oklahoma State in the SEC Big 12 Championship. They beat the Cowgirls 76-63 in Stillwater. Up next for the Lady Vols, Stetson. They're at home in Thompson Bowling Arena on Wednesday and then traveling down to Austin to take on the Longhorns of Texas at 1 o'clock Sunday on ESPN2. So you can check out the Lady Vols at 1 on ESPN2, and then you can check out the Vols at three o'clock on ESPN as they face number one Gonzaga. Unfortunately for the Lady Vols in volleyball, their season has now come to an end in the NCAA tournament in the second round. The first round, they had to make a comeback. They were down two sets, and you play a best of five against Colorado State, but they came back and got the win in that one to advance to the second round, but then they lost to 16-seed Washington State as Washington State was the host site for this match of volleyball they lost three games to one but a great run to end the season for the Lady Vols in volleyball uh, getting back into the NCAA tournament so looking forward to what they're going to be able to do next season so that's going to wrap up the Vol report here in shivels and bits uh, congratulations though of course we talked about how the Lady Vol soccer team made it to the Elite Eight and then they lost to Stanford well the finals of the Women's College Cup happened over the weekend and hats off to Florida State for defeating University of North Carolina of course the power when it comes to women's college soccer Florida State beats them 1-0 to win the women's soccer cup Uh, Florida State also won the title back in 2014 so now they're a two-time champion UNC they don't come as a runner-up often under of course their head coach Anson because, man, Anson Dorrance, he's got 21 national championships, only four runners-up. So UNC, when you beat them, that is something in the College Cup, and congratulations to Florida State for getting that one. Staying in college here real quick, it should come as a surprise to nobody that they're having a trouble getting some new students there at Michigan State. Uh, undergrad applications at Michigan State during this whole Larry Nasser scandal and the fallout from it has uh, affected Michigan State where it hurts. Undergraduate admissions, they are down 8.3% because of the Nasser scandal and the fallout and just the lack of administrative control. Meanwhile, rival Michigan, their undergraduate admissions are up uh, to 9.7%. So, and Wisconsin, I think, is up like 19%. So, Admissions for most of the other schools in the Big Ten are up. Uh, Michigan State, way down. Moving into soccer, we talked about this a little bit last week, that rivalry game uh, between the Boca Juniors and River Plate, where they had to postpone it because River Plate fans attacked the bus carrying the Boca Juniors for the second leg there in Argentina. Well, the this last leg of Copa Libertadores or Libertadores has now been moved 
uh, nowhere in Argentina, nor in South America. They moved it across the ocean to Madrid, where Real Madrid plays there in the Bernabeu, their home stadium. That was going to take place December 9th. River Plate has rejected that proposal. They're like, no, we're not doing that, you know, as it distorts competition and harms fans. Your fans have done plenty of harm themselves with causing this whole problem. And Boca Junior fans aren't innocent in this at all either. But honestly, to get away from everything going on over there, I'd move it across the ocean, put it in Spain, where (laughs) the fans are not going to be able to throw rocks at buses and craziness. So, honestly, uh, Comabal, the... uh, the uh, organization there, it's like UEFA or CONCAF for North America or Europe, uh, the South American Federation. They ignored those appeals, and the game is still on there in Real Madrid's home stadium. Sticking with soccer real quick, the new U.S. men's national team coach is Greg Berhalder. He's the former head coach of the Columbus Crew. He didn't win any competitions there, like any trophies or any cups, anything with the Columbus Crew of the MLS He was 67, 58, and 45 in his five years there. Uh, He did spend a lot of his time as a player playing in Europe, so I think that's really good to have as a coach. He also did, uh, he was a member of the U.S. World Cup team in 2002 and 2006, 44 caps, which are uh, essentially the times he played for the U.S. national team. So we'll see where that goes. One of the big things, though, he didn't win any, any trophies with the Columbus crew, but he was able to get them into the playoffs four out of his five years by squeezing, just getting the best talent he could where the Columbus crew has one of the lowest payrolls in the MLS. Actually, the Columbus crew is looking to move to Austin where they might have some better prospects there. So they've been trying to save the crew there in Columbus, but it's not looking good for those prospects, but we got a new coach. We'll see. He's very analytical. He's just very detail-driven. We'll see how that focuses. Of course, a lot of that we will see uh, coming this summer when the CONCACAF Gold Cup takes place and how well the U.S. national team does there. European soccer and in FIFA overall, they had their version of the Heisman Trophy. The Balloon d'Or, the Golden Ball, uh, went to Real Madrid midfielder Luka Modric. He uh, was the Croatian national. He helped Croatia make just that run all the way to the World World Cup final where they lost uh, to France. This event happened in Paris. They were thinking one of the French uh, guys, uh, Antoine Griezmann or uh, Kylian Mbappe, were maybe going to take home the trophy. That was not the case. Uh, Luka Modric got the win and gets the Balloon d'Or. Ronaldo came in second. Uh, Atletico Madrid and French national Antoine Griezmann came in third, and then PSG's uh, French national Kylian Mbappe came in fourth, and uh, Lionel Messi came in fifth. This was the first time that someone not named Ronaldo or Messi has won the Balloon d'Or since 2007. The last person to win not named Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi was Kaká. They're the uh, Brazilian national before... Luka Modric gets the win in that one, so congratulations to him. They also gave away the first-ever women's balloon door this year, and it went to Ada Hergeberg from Norway. She plays for the Lyon women's team there in France. Uh, a little of a controversy there because the guy, he was some DJ in Europe, 
was presenting her with the award and asked her for some reason if she twerked, which she just angrily said no, which is just um, just stupid. Read your odd. There's no reason to do that. I didn't even know people still twerked, honestly. I thought that was a thing for, like, 2015. I could be wrong. I might be out of the loop. I don't know. But Hegerberg just was very upset about that. The DJ did apologize. We'll see some stupid fallout from that. Just think before you talk sometimes for craziness. On to the silly side of things going on in the world. Uh, This happened over in Ireland. The Irish Soccer Club, Ballybrack. FC. It's a uh, in the amateur league in the uh, Linser Senior Football League there in Dublin. So it's a city league. We're kind of semi-pro. They get paid, but not that much. Uh, they announced the death of their player Fernando uh, La Fuente of Spain. And over the weekend, they had some tributes to him. You know, players wore black armbands. Uh, Ballybrack. They didn't play. They pretty much forfeited their game there was moments of silence all around the league and then things started to unravel uh they claimed the the club claimed that he died in a car crash uh coming home from practice on thursday here's the problem fernando wasn't dead He'd gone back to Spain because he'd gotten a job there so he had to leave the team the team apparently did not want to play their next match so someone in the organization said he died (laughs) fernando la fuente found out that he had apparently died while he was playing video games he didn't know about it that's just like that takes that takes flopping to the extreme when it comes to that in european soccer i mean this is dog ate my homework to the infinite power just just play the game or just forfeit it because you might be a player or too short. Don't just say someone died. It's a one of the just in, most insane things I've ever heard. Just ugh, that's that's just villainous. That's terrible. Just that's bad juju is what it is. You're messing with things you cannot explain at that point. Another really stupid and silly thing that happened in the world of sports. 258 runners were disqualified from China's Shechen Half Marathon. Uh, most of them, usually you still have the usual things of like exchanging bibs, like numbers and doing things like that, but most of them were caught uh, taking a shortcut by a traffic cams. There was, looks like they were running down a street and there was going to be about uh, a, like a U-turn around, so a lot of them seemed to be cutting through the median, like there were some woods in the middle and they cut through the median it cut off about 1.8 miles of the run they were all caught on traffic cams because apparently these people didn't realize that there's a lot of those traffic cams and cameras everywhere in china they are watching you i don't know why they thought they could get away with that but they did but they were all disqualified and have been banned from running in uh official marathons and half marathons uh for two years so good because don't don't cheat that's dumb this isn't pro wrestling. Don't cheat. Stop it. Uh, but then some good news here as we wrap up Shibbles and Bits. Uh, Kalen Bennett. He is an 18-year-old of Little Rock, Arkansas. He's a basketball player, and he has signed a letter of intent to play at Kent State University for uh, next year's season, So, which is a good story in and of itself. But what's special about Bennett is he is the first player with autism to ever sign a letter of intent with a D1 university. 
So uh, just big congratulations to him and everything that he's doing with this. This is just an amazing story, and I love hearing this. He comes out and he wants to be, you know, someone, a, a trailblazer for, you know, kids and people with autism. He had stories where he was told, his parents were told he might not walk, he might not even talk. He did not walk until he was four years old, and he didn't talk until he was seven years old. But he has now progressed from there, and he signs a letter of intent. He's going to play basketball at Division One Kent State University. And he was saying, he told Cleveland.com, I want to make an impact, not just on the court, but with kids that are struggling with the same things I am. I want to use this platform to inspire other kids with autism and non-autism. I want to let them know, hey, if I can do this, you can do it too. A lot of times they feel alone and by themselves, and I felt that same way growing up. So congratulations to this kid. He's definitely one of my heroes this week as he has set a trend, and I hope that continues. So that's just awesome to hear as we wrap up Shibbles and Bits. Thank you guys for another wonderful segment here, as always, on Modern Day Gladiators. Let's get into the arena, as always, because I'm still the man in the arena when it comes to this, but... First, before we talk pro wrestling, let's talk a little boxing real quick because we had a heavyweight championship match, which was great because I saw Creed 2 over the past week. By the way, Creed 2, awesome. Go see it. Puts a nice, just great ending. It was wonderful. Go see it. It's amazing. If you like any of the other Rocky movies besides Rocky 5, which doesn't exist, go see Creed 2. It's wonderful. You'll enjoy it, as I keep saying that. But we had a true heavyweight championship title match for the WBC heavyweight championship held by Deontay Wilder of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. He was a bronze medalist, I believe, back in 2008 in the Olympics. And he was defending his belt against Tyson Fury of England, who uh, had lost the belt. He never got a chance to defend it because he had some drug issues. But they fought this past Saturday in Los Angeles in the uh, Staples Center, which was just an amazing match. Wilder dropped Fury twice and once in the 12th round, but Fury was able to get up off the mat and really outbox Wilder throughout the fight. So a lot of people had no idea who was going to win this fight, and there was no winner. It ended up being a split draw. Uh, One guy had it 115-111 for Wilder. Another judge had it 114-112 for Fury. And then another judge had it as a 113-113 draw. So Wilder keeps his belt. Both of these guys want a rematch, and I can't wait to watch the rematch. The fight was amazing. That The knockdown that Wilder uh, gave Tyson Fury in that 12th round, I thought it was over at that point. I thought it was done. I mean, 12th round... Tyson Fury, a year ago, weighed about 400 pounds, but he got off the couch and lost a lot of weight. I mean, he still looked a little pudgy, but not like butterbean pudgy or anything like that. I mean, the guy's 6'9", for crying out loud, and Deontay Wilder's 6'7". So, I mean, these guys are towering heavyweights when it comes to it. But I thought Fury was done at that point, but he got up at 6. He didn't even take the 8 count. He got up at 6 and was ready to go and finished with a flurry and that's he fought his way to a draw, which was amazing. It was a great fight, and that's what heavyweight championship fights should be. I'm excited to see the rematch. Cannot wait to see it. I hope the rest of you guys check that out. Some really good boxing happened over the weekend. I know most of us were watching college football, but catch the replay if you can. It was an amazing fight. Check it out. Meanwhile, to the world of professional wrestling, the WWE 
Oh boy. When Roman Reigns went out with leukemia, they kept saying, you know, other people got to step up. They are finding a void right now, trying to fill the void left by top guy Roman Reigns, which again goes to creative's problem of not wanting to create any big stars that could just rise up and grab that brass ring. You've got all these middling guys with the 50-50 booking going on. So Raw especially has not been great at all. Last week was just an absolute dreck of an episode. Probably the worst episode I've ever seen. With the pee jokes and everything, just stop. I know it's to amuse Vince McMahon, but you gotta, someone's gotta say no at that point. It's just bad with people peeing on themselves and peeing on robes. It's like, uh, it just makes me want to go bang my head against a wall. I might have found that funny when I was 12, and Vince McMahon still finds it funny, and he's in his 70s, so... Take that as you will, but hey, stocks are still doing well. They've gone down a little bit, but stocks still doing pretty well uh, compared to when I got some stock for the WWE. But anyway, you've got this void filled, and you had a perfect chance to, again, create a great new star in Braun Strowman, but again, you job him out to Brock Lesnar, and now he's not even there because his elbow's been banged up. We'll see what happens come Royal Rumble time, but... And again, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose are going to have a a match. They're going to have a great match. But the fact that Dean Ambrose is heel character, he's been walking around with gas masks and getting shots because the towns he goes to stinks. Like, what kind of annoying, like, 50s era, even 80s era heel tactic is this? This is just stupid and sophomoric. You can't come up with anything better than that. It's just bad. And so there's just been some bad stuff creatively. And continuity is really annoying because you have... Like the Lucha House Party, which is a group of luchadors, and they come out, and no matter when they're fighting, it's Lucha House Party rules, so they get to fight three-on-one, rather it be a tag team match with two other guys, or even last Monday they had just one guy they were facing, so it was a three-on-one handicap match, and the announcers are like, oh, this is just great, they're having a great time out there, but then later, there's a handicap match between essentially Bobby Roode fighting a handicap match for the tag titles against the Authors of Pain and all that. And then they're saying, well, this is a travesty. How dare he have a a handicap match? The continuity is terrible. You guys got to work on that. Stay on message, guys. I know it's a three-hour show and you can get distracted, but seriously, stay on message. It's not hard. I've been able to stay on message this whole show for the 50 minutes I've been recording it. So it gets frustrating. That's why I watch New Japan a lot, too. The World Tag League's been going on. That's been a lot of fun to watch on uh, New Japan World. So we'll see where that one, of course, we will talk more as TLC is coming up. Uh, We'll preview that one next week. And then, of course, as Wrestle Kingdom 13 gets closer on January 4th in New Japan, we will talk about that one. But until then, we are going to wrap up this episode again. Thank you guys for hanging around with me. And as always, subscribe, like, share, comment. Give us those reviews. That's how we get bigger and better and badder. So I would appreciate that. And again, comment. We want to hear from you. So you know where to reach us. I love you guys. We are going to... Uh, See you next time. I love you. Too sweet. See you next time. Love you.